Ignite your life with passion and purpose. Your health, your wealth, your happiness. Make it good. This is Modern Love with Dr. Brenda Wade. A big thank you to Rainbow Grocery, our favorite grocery store here in the San Francisco Bay Area, for being our sponsor, because a healthy body is a sexy body. And speaking of sexy bodies, everybody, one of the sexiest things around is communication. In fact, there are a lot of people in the field of sex education and increasing your sexual satisfaction who would say communication is the best lubrication and that's true whether we're talking about sex whether we're talking about your relationship and also your success in the world of business and when it comes to the art of conversation we've all met people who seem to have a knack for it they can walk up to anybody about anything and they seem to do it with complete ease and yeah it's true that there are those who were born with the gift of the gab, but conversation is also something you learn how to do. It's an art that can be mastered. And today we're going to talk about the importance of being a good communicator at home, work, and those all-important social and business situations. Because here at Modern Love, we know that real healing, real acceleration of love in your life comes from having the right tools in your toolbox, and what tool is better than communication. So I want to give you an opportunity to join me to really freshen up your love toolbox. We, once a month, at the second Saturday usually of every month, we do a live intensive training from 10 to 6. We roll up our sleeves. We get down, get dirty, the latest science, the tools that move you from love breakdowns to love breakthroughs. No matter where you are on your journey of love, if you're healing from a breakup, if you're looking for love, if you're already in love and you're thinking of making a commitment, there are 50% fewer divorces if you do pre-marital training. 50% fewer divorces. Write that down. Take it to the bank. And if you're already in a committed relationship or love and you want to freshen it up, then those couples, and this is a fact, you guys know I'm a geek and I love science, it's a fact that those couples who keep growing together over time have the most satisfying relationships over time. And most people that I see in our trainings and in private work have waited too late and too long to get training. So don't be on the waited too late, too long. Get busy. This May coming up, we have a special class, a special training called Modern Love Miracles for you this May. Seven best steps to move you from toxic love patterns to miracle love. And you don't need me to break down what toxic love patterns are but most of them are based on poor communication, which is why our special guest today, Debbie Silverman, is going to 
get down, get dirty, get busy with us in just a few minutes to talk about the words we use in a conversation and how we understand the silent conversation of your facial expression, body language. So we'll get to that in a moment. But first, let's take our Dr. Brenda question. This dear Dr. B, twice in recent years, my husband bought a gift for himself for Christmas, wrapped it, put it under the tree, then opened it on Christmas morning, gleefully exclaiming that it was a great gift and just what he wanted. First time he did it, he wrote my name on the gift card as the giver. The second time, he didn't bother. When I asked him why, he said it was something he saw in the store and wanted. When he asked, when I asked him why he didn't just ask me to get it, he didn't have an answer. I don't know what to make of his behavior, but it feels demeaning, and I feel angry for days afterward. Is there something wrong with him? Outraged in Pacifica. Oh, Pacifica, what a great question. <laughs> And we have the perfect show for you because this show is about communication and I know you and your husband need to work on communication because clearly that's what's missing. He's unable to tell you or ask you to get things for him and you're unable to tell him exactly how you feel and work toward a solution. So stay tuned because I'm going to take this one to our conversation expert Everyone, let me tell you a little bit more about our guest today. Debbie Silverman is a human behavior specialist and an NLP, that's Neuro Linguistic Programming Specialist, and she's working with a very, very proven method of self-development and communication skills. And NLP, for those who don't know, is different from other kinds of change disciplines because it's about the efficient an effective technology for creating change, and it starts at the level of the brain. One of my great beloved mentors, Dr. Virginia Satir, was one of the creators of NLP, and it's a process that I really know works. Debbie is also the co-author of the book, It's Just a Conversation, What to Say and How to Say It in Business. Debbie also reveals to you right now how to say and how to say it in any business conversation, other crucial conversations that make the biggest difference in your success. And, of course, we're going to talk about love conversations, too. Welcome to the show, Debbie Debbie Silverman. Hi. Hi, and thank you for having me, Dr. Brenda. Appreciate it. Oh, absolutely. Now, how did you get interested in conversations? Well, I've always been interested in conversations. It's part of my business. I've been in, I own a market research company, and I've been talking to consumers for over 20 years. And part of that is not just asking questions and getting a response. It's really following the conversation. It's listening. It's watching them. It's observing my uh, consumers as they're speaking with me because I want to see if they're just giving me answers to say, oh, this is how it is, or if they truly believe that and they feel that. And you can tell a lot, and then we'll get into that in a little bit. We can tell a lot by the uh, unspoken conversation. Yeah, we'll get to that in a sec. But in your own life, did you get any training as you were growing up in how to be a great communicator or a person who could work out issues by using communication? Uh, you know, I don't know if I got the training or if I 
kind of trained myself <laughs> and just started observing things and listening and realizing that this is what I had a passion for. And, uh, and so I, I, I think that when I took the NLP training is when I learned more and I got more in tune with it. Well, I want to back up for just a second to something you just said because you've already dropped a couple of the key ingredients in being a great conversationalist. You just said, I observed and I listened. Because most people I find, you know, I'm, I'm talking with people around the country, around the world, actually, you know, leading retreats around the world in our mastermind community uh, that we have, True Love, True Prosperity Mastermind. And I'm constantly saying most people think conversation is talking. Hmm. And yes. you just said observing and listening. And listening in and of itself is an art. And you just alluded to observation and how much you can learn by observing the other person, even in a personal conversation, never mind in market research. Mm-hmm. That's right. It's it's true of life. It's true of any conversation. Uh, and I would even argue it's true of the conversations we have with ourselves. <laughs> we don't really listen to ourselves when we're talking oh, to ourselves. Oh, <laughs> that's a really good point. You know, it's funny because... In our uh, Monday night mastermind class last night, we were talking about intuition and how important it is to listen to our own intuition, that inner voice, and how to cultivate that. So when you said that, boy, you struck a bell because I was just doing a training last night on that very, very point. So good, good on you. So, Debbie, in your own work, as you started cultivating this interest that you seem to have been born with in observing, listening, what was the first thing you discovered that was going wrong with people's conversations and communication? The first thing I noticed, hmm, that's a good question. I guess I I noticed that when somebody would say something to me and I observed them and I was watching them, that either they didn't mean what they said or they weren't sure of what they were saying. How did you pick that up, that they didn't well, mean it or they weren't sure? They were little cues, and I, I don't know when this first started. I really don't – I can't put a, a date on it or <laughs> a year. Uh, I can tell you that I recently realized that when my mother used to say to me, we'll see, <laughs> and, and she oh, would sort of, she would sort of like <laughs> back away from me a little bit and <laughs> – it always meant no. <laughs> That's right. We'll see. Oh, my goodness. I'm laughing because, of course, I heard my mother say that many times. <laughs> and nine out of ten times, right, it meant no. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. sometimes she'd say it at times when it was going to leave me in a very precarious position. You know, I'd call yes. and say, you know, I was calling from college saying, hey, Mom, um, what do you want to do about the tuition? And she'd say, we'll see. And I'd think, oh, my God. Does that mean I won't be able to finish college? It's not the answer you want to hear. No. No, so people would back away. You'd notice that there's a little backing up. What else did you notice if somebody didn't mean? Now, you guys may want to write some of these things down, or you're going to have to run out and get Debbie's book, that's for sure. What else do you notice are cues that people are not being completely honest? Well, uh, when somebody is telling you something positive they're maybe they're telling you that you did a good job or whatever it might be 
and they're shaking their head no. <laughs> they're moving their head no. <laughs> it's like their body didn't get the memo of what they want to uh, say. Interesting. Okay, so this is all in the body language. And being yes. a good observer of somebody's body language is, of course, one of the secrets to finding out what someone really, really means. So on the list, we've got backing away, we've got shaking the head. Is there anything in the tone of voice that changes when someone isn't being authentic or genuine with you? Yeah, well, you can tell in the tone of voice, too. And, you, and that's important, especially on phone conversations, if we have them anymore. Right. Because uh, <laughs> that's really all you have is the tone. Is the tone. That's all you have. So when somebody Which is one is, of the problems, and you're speaking about tone of voice, that's one of the big problems with texting. I'm constantly finding couples coming into our trainings who are saying, "Oh, we're fighting because this person sent this text." Yeah. First thing, but but the text didn't mean that. I meant something entirely different. So I I literally say this, and I'm going to say it right now. If you have something important you want to talk about with your partner, do not. I repeat, do not do it over texting that's because right. you don't get the tone of voice. As Debbie is just saying, that's a huge part of the content. It's easy to misconstrue words when you don't have the tone of voice. In fact, we just did a social media post last week on how texting is destroying relationships because you can't hear the other person or see them. That's right. And you can tell when somebody is hesitant about telling you something. You can hear it. I don't know if I can describe it to you, but you you, you know it. You know it yeah. when you hear it. And you also know when somebody's very happy and ecstatic about something. They're, they're like excited. And yeah. you can hear that in their voice. Exactly. And the voice, you know, the voice is a mirror of the emotions. And it's the feeling. We want to be able to feel one another. You know, to feel into you. Do you mean it? You know, are you really there? Do you care? Uh, are you telling the truth? And what is it you're not telling me? Sometimes, as you said, the hesitation says, you know, I'm afraid you'll be upset if I tell you the truth. Yeah. And we need to know that and be able to say, you know, I want to hear the truth, even if it's upsetting. I and sometimes we don't even know what the truth is. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we believe something because this is what maybe somebody else told us we should believe. Right. And when you when we go to have a conversation about it, we, we can't really because we feel there's something pulling from us. You know, there's something pulling away, and it's like, wait a minute, I thought I really believed this, and maybe I don't. So that's another issue is your convictions come across, too, in your tone. Oh, that's interesting. That is really interesting. So listening to ourselves and saying, was I standing behind what I just said, or is that just something that – came out because I thought it should come out. And boy, does that ever resonate in the current political landscape where I've got so many couples coming in, arguing with family members and with one another about politics. Oh, yeah, it's dividing a lot of people. <laughs> it really yeah, is. Families, you know, fighting over the holiday meal. I mean, it's become a bit of an epidemic. And since it's a real-time issue, I want to give you a challenge. As a conversation coach and guru, what would you tell people to do if they're having those kinds of disagreements in their family? Or, you know, we even have married couples where there's a schism. I actually had a woman say to me, my husband thinks I voted for this candidate. But Mm -hmm. when I, his candidate, basically, when Mm -hmm. I went 
into the voting booth, I voted for somebody else, and he'll never know. Mm-hmm. And she's she's afraid to tell him because of right. what might happen. Yeah, yeah. Right. Well, well you people know, have these divides, and maybe they are arguing, or maybe they're hiding it. What do you say is the best way to go about making that conversation work? Well, one of the things that I follow, and it's in my book, and it's it's called I use focus as an acronym. And if you know you're going to have an important conversation, and this really goes to relationships, it goes to business, if you're going for a raise, a promotion, you have to talk to your spouse about maybe voting issues or whatever it is, right? What I do is, uh, as I said, you use FOCUS as an acronym. The F stands for finish first. And what that means is have an objective or a goal in mind on how you want the conversation to go. Because if you just start it and just throw out ideas, you're going to get lost. If you have an idea of how you want it to go, at least you can plan a little bit. I can't, I, you know, of course you can't plan every conversation because you, you don't know what the other person is going to say or how they're going to react. Of course not. However, you can plan or at least get a goal in mind. Okay, I want to have this conversation with my husband about the election. This is how I want it to end. I want it to end that he'll respect my choice. That's the, that's the goal in mind. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And if you have a goal in mind, then you can, as I said, you can format the right. way it works. Exactly. So the next the next part of it is the O, which is observe and listen, which is what we've been talking about. And the C is be calm and also be curious. You want to ask questions. So if don't jump on somebody because they say, "Oh, well you did this." Or, well, well, why do you think I did that? You know, that kind of thing. Back off and ask a question. Be curious and remain calm because if and you get excited, one of the they most get excited. Important things. I mean, What's I that? say that is one of the most important things. Most people come to the conversation with some preconceived notion of what the other person believes or thinks or that they're prepared to argue. And we just, I have to go back to our Mastermind program again. We're doing a whole series right now on staying on the high road instead of going to the low road. Mm-hmm. And when we're on the low road, which literally means firing from the lower part of the brain, the reptilian brain, <laughs> we act and sound like reptiles, Yes. quite frankly. We're not calm. We're not curious. We're just coming out swinging. And people who lose their temper, I was working with a couple where the, the uh, husband kept saying, I believe I have the right to raise my voice. Mm-hmm. And his spouse is sitting there saying, you know, that doesn't work for me. Mm-hmm. It doesn't work for me. It doesn't matter what kind of relationship you're in. It could be parent-child. You could be LGBTQ couple. You could be anybody. But you have to define step three, which is that we're going to do a better job understanding one another and working it out if we can stay calm and stay curious. And I, I just want to go on record saying that losing your temper is a cop-out. It means you're giving mm-hmm. yourself permission to act like a big baby <laughs> and be a bully. I'm sorry, I'm not a fan. <laughs> and you know what? That and That's that other person's issue. That's that person's issue. And maybe they've succeeded in the past using that kind of behavior. Maybe. Being a baby and a bully? Yeah. Uh, Gee, maybe I, they I have. Maybe it's worked for them. Using that. <clears throat> What's that? <laughs> I said I don't know anybody who succeeded using being a baby and a bully. I don't want to be political. <laughs> <laughs> 
Okay, moving on. Moving on, right? <laughs> the U but is Paul, I'm the curious. I love that. I just had to underscore what you said. So what's next after the we U is the be you, be unique. You don't have to turn into somebody else. Be you. Right. And the S, which I also believe is very, very important, and that's stay in the moment of the conversation. Because very often what happens is that as we're speaking with someone, we're thinking ahead about what we're going to say or how wrong they are or whatever it is we're thinking ahead, and we're not really hearing what they're saying. Ah, right, right. And if you're not in the moment, you might also miss something very important, which is what are you feeling? Yes, yes. You miss, you miss what are you yourself feeling, and you also miss the body cues, the language, the body language. Exactly. Exactly. I like this model. Now, we have finish first, observe, and listen. Be calm and curious. And this business about being curious, asking questions, you know, help me understand more. Mm -hmm. Uh, Tell me more. You know, it's funny. um, I had John Gray teaching one of our trainings with me, and John was coaching a couple that had just gotten married the day before. And he said to the newlyweds, there's only one question you really need. Three words. Tell me more. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's right. So I like and that, that works wonders. Yes. And so the you is be yourself and then stay in the moment. Yes. Now, back up for a minute to be yourself. Mm-hmm. What does that mean if you break that down? You don't want to go into a conversation thinking that I have to impress this person, so I'm going to be like my boss, or I'm going to be like my my sister, or I'm going to be like somebody else. Be you, because that's what makes you you <laughs> and special. Okay. And in the conversation, if you're being your authentic self, you stand a much better chance of coming out of that conversation feeling like a whole person, not like a fraud. Exactly. Good. Well, I like the direction you're going. So I'm going to give you the question that came in about outraged in Pacifica, who is really concerned about her husband's behavior and the gift. Okay. Um, would could Do we have time for you to read it one more time? Because I want to make sure I uh, catch This is the person whose husband bought a gift for himself at Christmas, put it under the tree, and put his own name on it. And she's okay, feeling so the gift for himself. and angry. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. And, and by and the then, way, it doesn't say that this question is written by a woman. This could be a man. It could be two husbands. So whoever it is, I apologize if I didn't get the gender correct. But okay. let's talk about what do you do or say if you're dealing with somebody who's buying themselves gifts and not giving you the opportunity to do it for them. Sounds like that's the communication that's missing. Okay, so I guess my my suggestion would be if you follow the FOCUS acronym, mm-hmm. how do you, what, what do you want the outcome to be? So the outcome will be, I want to buy you that present, <laughs> right? That's, that sounds like what it would be, is I want to buy you that right. present. So, okay, so we know that that person wants to buy the present. And you've observed and listened so far to see that uh, your, the spouse was buying it themselves. Right. And so they're thinking, or you don't know what they're thinking, so the point is you need to ask and you need to be calm and you need to be curious and say, I'm curious, you know, 
why is it that you keep buying yourself gifts and putting your name and signing it and giving it to yourself? And I mean, why do you do that? And then have them answer. And then the next question might be, um, did you ever think that maybe I'd like to give you that gift without being, you know, you don't want to be confrontational or anything like that. Say, I would love to give you the gift that you really want, something like that. And, and how can we make that happen? Yeah. So you're asking nice. another question. I like that. That's a great, great way to approach it because there's vulnerability in this conversation you're describing. And when we're vulnerable, that goes right along with your staying calm and staying curious, is just staying open. You know, Mm -hmm. I'd love to give you that. You know, would you mind telling me? Because that would give me a lot of joy to give you something that makes you happy. Now, you know, there are some other communication Issues, And I think for a lot of people, the communication at home in their personal lives is a challenge, but also in the workplace. If you were to say, hey, here's the biggest mistake people make in the workplace in communicating, what would you say? Uh, Well, people don't stay in the moment. That's one of the biggest issues. And because they don't stay in the moment, they're not listening. And they're just jumping on things and moving along, uh, moving ahead with their own agenda. Mm-hmm. I would so say. So when you say not being in the moment, how yeah. would somebody practice being in the moment if it's a conversation, say a crucial conversation about a contract or something that's going on at work? It's not easy. Uh, what I started doing when I when I realized that this is the, this is the formula, <laughs> what I started doing was if I found myself drifting, if I found myself moving forward in the conversation and it wasn't going there, I would say to myself, okay, Debbie, or I'd even pinch myself, okay, Debbie, stay in the moment, stay in the moment. I would literally tell myself, stay in the moment. And it takes mm-hmm. practice. It really mm-hmm. does. Mm-hmm. So stay in the moment really means listening to the other person observing what's going on, and having in mind that there's a certain outcome you would like. Now, what if the outcome is, you know, that's not going to work right now? Uh, We're not going to be able to do what you want right now. What's the best way to handle that in the conversation? When when the other person says, no, we can't do that now, Mm -hmm. and then, well, you would ask more questions. When would be a good time that we can re re, um, Reexamine this this question, or when, when can we when can we re? Uh, I'm sorry, I'm, I lost a word all of a sudden. When can we when can we revisit this? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so you want to ask them when can we revisit this? And if they still say, oh, you know, I'm not ready to talk about it, and say, okay, well, I understand that. And when you when you're ready, let's talk. And I wouldn't just leave it like that and walk out of the room. I would follow up. And I would I would also put it on the other person a little bit and say, you know, I appreciate your time. My time is valuable, too. Um, when can we reschedule this? Mm-hmm. You know, it depends what the situation is. It's, it's not that easy to give a, a suggestion when I don't know all of the elements. Right, but you're giving a frame for a hypothetical situation. If somebody is doing a conversation at work, it's still the same basic steps, know what the outcome should be. It's still your focus acronym. Oh, absolutely, absolutely, yes. But the follow-up piece here, the follow-up piece is important because some people just walk out and they don't say, when can we reschedule, when can we revisit. And there's one other thing I would add 
in the follow-up and the revisit question, I always like to ask, is there anything else you need before we revisit? Would you like more information? Would you like me to send you some data? Would you like to ask me any other questions about this? Uh, is there something else that would help you move toward a decision or a resolution with me? That's excellent, and that works in every conversation. I would totally agree with that, yes. So tell us just a little bit. We only have a few minutes left. If you were in the room with people who were having a disagreement and you had to intervene, what would you say? Okay, I would – first of all, I, I don't know if I want to intervene because it's a dynamic on its own. So it depends on if it's my business or not. I mean, if I'm if I excuse me, if I'm at a networking meeting and I hear two people talking about politics and getting going at it with each other, um, I might listen a little bit just to hear what what's going on. And if I can, if I feel I can add anything, I might say, "Whoa, everybody, go to their separate corners for a moment. Let's think this through. What, why are we why are we having this conversation? What's so upsetting to you?" Or what? What is bothering you? You know, why is it that you feel you, the need to jump on this person? What's going on? Uh, may not be those words, but that's what you know. <laughs> that's the gist of it. Yeah. And um, I don't know. I mean, it really depends, Dr. Brenda. Uh, depends on what the conversation is. It depends if I feel that it is my business to jump in or not, because I don't think it is my business or anybody else's business to just jump in on a conversation if you weren't invited into it. You know, I sometimes jump in if I feel that I can actually in the moment be helpful. And, you know, by virtue of what we do for a living, sometimes saying, you know, I'm I'm the modern love doctor. Can I add one thing that I think might help you? Mm-hmm. And I'm known for being the person who will do that on a plane, on a subway, <laughs> anywhere. And generally what I've found is if I do it in a really gentle, friendly way, people will stop and look at me and go, oh, yeah, what? And then I'll say, (laughs) you might want to consider this. And usually I'll give one tidbit and say, I'm saying this because I'd really like you guys to walk away feeling good about that conversation you're having. So I want to thank you, Debbie Silverman, so useful learning about focus and everyone debbie also has an opportunity for you if you would like some one-on-one coaching from her on success conversations you can write her a text and the number i'm going to give you the number and then we're going to post it also on the radio blog with this radio show the number is nine five four six one zero 1403. That's 954-610-1403. And just text your name and phone number and say, I want more. And that way she'll get back to you and offer you free coaching. You can also go to her website, find out about her book. It's called Consumer-Perspectives. Is that right? Perspective. No S at the end. No S. Consumerperspective.com. All right, everyone. Also, mark your calendar right now for May 12th from 10 to 6 at Saturday, May 12th. Join me for Modern Love Miracles for you this May. Seven best steps to move you from toxic love patterns 
to Miracle Love, you can go to Eventbrite right now and register yourself. Take action. Most of us wait too long, too late to learn that we can really create a miracle love. And yes, it's possible. Now, next week coming up, we have Ronnie Sampucci, who's going to give best wedding season tips because here we are. It's May, it's June, it's wedding season. I just got off the phone with the editor-in-chief of Bridal Fantasy Magazine, and she said they're running around like crazy because it's wedding season. So let's be prepared for that. And big, huge thank you to our executive producer, Mr. LeGrand Green, to Cliff Dunning, our associate producer, to you modern lovers. Get ready for modern love miracles this May. I'll see you soon. Blessings. Thank you. Thank you.